I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. And we are back with an all-new episode of Keep It. We're going to be talking about Aretha Franklin a little bit later in the episode about how um, she helped me get out of a crack house oh. uh, where people mistook me for how prostitution or. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to give this speech on the stage at Radio oh, City God. Music Hall is what I'm going to do. Um, but before we do that... Are you uh, going to look like an extra from Mad Max? I, I certainly am. I'm going to okay. look like a witch doctor. <laughs> she was looking... There's a lot of netting in that outfit. <laughs> and then the grill was still there. Is Was there a grill? I couldn't tell. I think the grill was still there. She speaks so slowly We're talking slowly about Madonna, nowadays. guys, in case you can't tell. Why Her. does she speak so slowly nowadays? I have no idea. I don't get it. I also don't think she knew who Camila Cabello was. But we will get into that when we talk about the VMAs. Kara... You and I saw this beautiful, beautiful movie. On Gorgeous Netflix. movie. It's called To All the Boys I Love. To All the Boys I Love Before. Before, yes. I can't believe I haven't seen it yet. It is the most delightful film I have ever seen in my life. You look like an emoji right now. You're like beaming. I can't even. (laughs) I watched it again last night. I love it so much. Jenny Han is a genius. She wrote um, these, their YA sort of romance novels um, that Netflix adapted into a film. It is the rom-com that I needed. Mm -hmm. Those kids are so cute. It's a trilogy. So I immediately ordered the other books on Amazon, P.S. I Still Love You, and Always and Forever, Laura Jean. This is also the lane. I'm like, Netflix, this is what I want. I want every Friday. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to go on my couch, and I want to order Domino's, and I want to watch beautiful teens fall in love. Symmetrical teens, people. Yes. This is, this is a movie about a girl, Laura Jean, who has these intense crushes on five boys, and she just decides to write a letter to them and keep it in her room. And never mail it to them. Of course, the letters get out. Oof. Please, Mr. Postman. It's also, like, <laughs> it is, the film stars Lana Condor, who, um, in, the, in the movie, she plays a young Korean girl, um, but she in, like, Portland, which I overlooked that they were in Portland, the poor man Seattle. Um, <laughs> oh, all right. I did, but it was so nice to just see, like, having a... These Portland shots. These Portland shots, I know. But seeing, like, a young girl of color... Like fall and just like that's what she was concerned with. Yeah, she was just mm-hmm. concerned with boys and her adorable outfits. Now that she's clearly a star from this movie too, uh, it makes it even more dumb that they did not use her more in X Men, where she, she played Jubilee. She played Jubilee. I don't know who that is. They don't even use me in X Men, bitch. I'm not Jubilee? going to see that shit. You remember the X Men cartoon? She's the girl in the yellow jacket. Shut, shut the fireworks out. Wait, sorry, which character again? I Jubilee. Know. Oh, that's that Louis used to be Anna you Paquin. Know, do you know? No, that who? that was Rogue. Okay, who else used to be Jubilee in the old, old, old ones? I don't think they really cared about Jubilee. I do remember her wearing a coat. I remember the outfits of superheroes a little bit. I don't want Jubilee. I want Laura Jean and and boys and <laughs> ski trips. Jubilee wants boys. <laughs> 
Give her a movie. <laughs> Give her a Jubilee movie. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up later in this episode, we will be talking to Michael Arsenault, writer of I Can't Date Jesus. Excuse me, he's the adorable writer of I Can't Date Jesus. So stop giving him the short shrift here. This isn't chappy. Stop trying to find <laughs> dates. Uh, it's a wonderful chappy. memoir. <laughs> okay. And we'll get into that later when he joins us on Keep It, the show you're listening to. Hey, Keep It listeners. Last week, Crooked Media launched Vote Save America, a step-by-step guide to make sure everyone votes in the 2018 midterms. If you go to votesaveamerica.com right now, you can pledge to vote and get involved in campaigns going on in your community. Also, you'll get a confirmation email where you can check and see if you're registered to vote. Right now, these are the main things we want you to do right now. But as we get closer to the election, we'll be rolling out more tools to let you know what the big issues are in your state, who's on your ballot, where to vote, and how to make sure everyone else you know votes too. You can also join our Vote Save America Facebook group and follow the Vote Save America hashtag to see all the great work people have already been doing. And the mediocre work too, but mostly the great work. Go vote! Please vote. I can't do any more of this. Vote or die! (laughs) Diddy used to say that. Really? Vote or die! Like he would just scream that out in the middle of the but victory. But that actually feels real now. Now yeah. it does feel. Now <laughs> yeah. it literally feels like vote or die, people. Please. Nostradamus himself, <laughs> Diddy. <Yeah>. Please vote. <laughs> and we're back. I just want to let everyone know that I meant the dating app, Chappie, and not the movie. It was such a brilliant joke, you understood that which, immediately. Which I've, I'm never, sure. I've never seen the movie. So I don't want that slander out there Okay, on my Wikipedia page. Anyway, um, Nicki Minaj Ooh. this week, this past few weeks. When will she come out of has, her shell? <laughs> has been doing the most. Um, the VMAs were this week, and everyone was waiting for the drama to spill over from her weekend tweet storm where she attacked Travis Scott Kylie Jenner, their child Stormy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Spotify, and Billboard, among others, for her album, Queen, debuting at number two behind Travis Scott's Astroworld. This is uh, my favorite part of pop music world now, is that stars now behave like stands who are way too concerned with, like, charting positions and sales, and... She the things she was spouting. She said it was number one in eighty six countries. Nikki, that's too many countries. I'm almost <laughs> sure that's not right. You're, you're telling me you're checking the Azerbaijan charts? I doubt it, honey. Her stands do. I, I guess she was also doing that thing where she was retweeting only the people that were like, "Yes, Queen, say the truth." You also, what is Queen Radio? This bitch said Queen right. Radio like five times. I was like, I don't know what that is. Is is that Apple Music? Is it AM or FM? She she just has like a block on Apple Music on Tuesday. Called Queen Radio? Yes. That's, she needs to call that something different. (laughs) That doesn't. She tweeted, I put my blood, sweat, and tears into writing a dope album only for Travis Scott to have Kylie Jenner post a tour pass telling people to come see her and Stormy. I'm actually laughing. 
Queen broke the record. There is nothing <laughs> that makes me angrier than someone who makes me have to defend or side with a Kardashian. Truly right. nothing angers me more. And Kylie, all she said was like, First of all, she's for sure going on tour with Travis Scott. She was basically like, you might see me and Stormy there because what the fuck else does she have to do other than follow Travis Scott around on tour? That's all she said. So Nikki is mad that she's promoting her boyfriend's tour. Right, with like a tweet. With a tweet and like that she's going to bring her baby. What else are they doing with the baby? It just seems like a natural series of events that she's going to go and bring their baby and that's what Nikki's mad about. Her common-law wife, Ariana Grande, was tweeting at <laughs> people to go and get queen. Right. So... Do you know what else I don't like? Having to say, I am actually laughing. No, you're like off the chain. You're not actually laughing. Other, other than like being put into the straitjacket and taken away sort of laughing. It's not like a productive laughing. No, but it's 2018. Nobody gives a goddamn about your billboard charting position. Right, yeah. Nobody cares. Is this also... Who's buying... What, do they still make CDs? How do you even buy... What is this? iTunes? I don't even know how they That's come up with it. this list. I feel like everybody, when they put out an album, is immediately number one on every iTunes because that's how the sales thing works. But then like 10 minutes later, you're not. So I just don't believe that. I don't I don't know what the boat... No one cares. No well, one is checking for this. that's why her album's so long because just like Drake, their label knows that if you release... Five albums and call it one <laughs> with 94 tracks on it. All of them are going to get into like the top 200 on iTunes and you will get a number one album. The only problem is that Queen having to debate, debut the week after Astro World, which was a highly anticipated album right. that Travis Scott's fans have been work, waiting for. Also, it's really good. And Queen, like, have I, you listened to Queen? I've listened to Queen. It's fine. Um, it's not pink print. Um, I'm a little disappointed, but it's also enjoyable. But I've been listening to Astro World more. But you know mm. what we haven't got into? The most important part of this was Nicki Minaj comparing herself to who? Harriet <laughs> motherfucking Tubman. Who, I love her singles. Also, when she said, the thing about Harriet Tubman eating rice, I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you, what are you saying? So... Nikki, when she started responding to the fact that people were saying she was overreacting for her, <laughs> her tweets, she started saying that real queens, you know, never stay silent. They're known for fucking shit up. All the queens I remember shook shit up. Queen of the week may go to Harriet Tubman. Oh. <laughs> Had she just sat there and ate her rice, you niggas, history would have been a lot less triumphant. Unicorn emoji. So she's she's lording. <laughs> she's that's wild. She's lording the achievements of Harriet Tubman over haters. That's just what's happening. I want to be sure I heard I it don't, right. I literally don't even know what Had her point is. Had she sat there and ate her rice, I see that she's tried to do a play on the, Tiffany, the or... Tiffany Pollard quote from Flavor of Love when she told one of the girls in the house, you should have just sat there and, and ate, ate your food. food. Right, right, right. But I'm now imagining like Harriet Tubman eating only rice. She also And then, enjoying it. Then she later, <laughs> she, she quoted... This quote that is not a real Harriet Tubman quote, and I need you people to listen to this. This is not real. When Harriet Tubman, it's 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 something like I would oh, have I, I freed many slaves, yeah. and I would have freed many more if they had known they were slaves. Y'all have that no bitch idea. Didn't say that. She didn't say that. She never said that. <laughs> ever, 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 ever. She didn't say that. It's not real. Yes. Stop quoting it. People keep using this quote, and Nikki wrote, "She said she could have rescued more slaves oh. had they known they were slaves." Oh. 
I fought for streaming services to count towards Billboard when a lot of niggas stayed quiet. That pivot, that pivot (laughs) from slaves not knowing they're free to what? To Billboard sales? How do you sound more thirsty than Jay-Z accusing black people for not listening to time? Well, it, it reminds me of the Harriet Tubman quote, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Also, some people have... Read a book! Read a book! Oh, my God. Yeah, go uh, to, like, Snopes.com. My God. This is all well debunked. I will say that some people have tried to say that we are disparaging Nikki just because she's Nikki, but I would like to let people know <laughs> that I keep that same energy for anybody yes. who is thirsty about their record sales. I remember back when 50 Cent was blowing up <laughs> Kanye about how they were going head-to-head oh, yeah. with their records. I forgot about that. And Kanye beat 50. Do you also remember um, when Kendrick Lamar did it? No. No. He quickly deleted this tweet. Uh, after That's, you know what that after, tells you? <laughs> Kendrick has friends, and Nikki does not. Top Dog said, delete that shit. Right. Um, after To Pimp a Butterfly sold 324,000 units in its first week, he tweeted, Billboard can't be right. They say L.A. only bought 35,000 copies of the album. <laughs> L.A., we got work to do. Whoa. <laughs> Getting into the regional sales. My hometown should have bought more records. <laughs> Do they have these people heard of Spotify? I know that Spotify streams are like part of the like rubric. Yeah, like no one even understands how you get these numbers. These are not real numbers. Yeah. This is all made up. None of this is real. No one's buying albums. It doesn't matter. None of this Uh, matters. I'm also just extra mad at Nikki because she didn't even cause any drama at the VMAs. But by the way, I need to say it's very hard to stay mad at her because one, even in her brief time on the stage at the VMAs, I'm sorry, the woman is hilarious. I know. When she she shouted out to... Normani yes. from Fifth Harmony, who is better than Camila. So, mm. Sorry. And by the way, it was a very strong choice to defend Normani and not Camila in that moment when Camila was in the front row. So anyway, I'm just paying attention to the staging of it all. I need her enough of this, though. I'm like, but you've already bullied, like, a civilian on Twitter <laughs> oh, yeah. because they didn't like your music, which... Everyone right. but your most ardent fans are not like jumping over tables for. You're already defending working with, uh, you oh, know, that guy. Star X, 67 triple, whatever or whatever. The fuck is, yeah. Just be- <laughs> just because Gaga once worked with R. Kelly too, and Kendrick defended Triple X Ten Sashian or something, <laughs> being able to be on Spotify. Like the excuse, other people did it, so I also, get to do it he too. He might go to jail. Like, does it work? It's very likely he's going to prison for like child assault and and just sexual like he's a monster what are you doing and he have you seen what he looks like too oh god which i know is not the point he looks like meanwhile she keeps identifying chun lee as a bad guy which is not even true she's a good person i know which is that person's face looks like half of the teens at the vmas i don't know what they i know had face tattoos i know i don't know i don't know who half of these people were i know Uh, they were all born in 2001 i was was actually shocked at the amount of people i didn't know though yeah my finger on the pulse well the thing is with the vmas and i didn't watch all of it because i i couldn't but um it made me realize i don't not care about the youths i just don't care about these youths because again i was like very i watched all the boys that i love before and i was like oh these are the teens these are the ones I like. I don't like these fools with the rainbow hair. There and the are other whatever. young singers too, like young singers, good performers. Where uh, were City good Girls? Were City Girls there? That, well, one of them's in jail. So oh, no. Yeah, free JT. Um, <laughs> so like the youths that I do know and care about weren't there. 
Um, Beyonce wasn't there. Uh, Drake wasn't there. I thought, Rihanna by the way, Beyonce there. was supposed to be there. That bitch hasn't shown up. To the, when's the last time she came to the VMAs? They, they did think told she, was she was coming. Yeah. They did. They were teasing Beyonce's really? coming, and I'm like, that bitch ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why they were like, all your awards are going to sell it out. Right? They no. only give VMAs to people who are there. By the way, I was just thinking that beforehand. Like, you can usually tell who's going to win based on who actually shows up. And the, I, the Carters were, spo- or she was, I think Beyonce was supposed to present. Yeah. Then when she bailed, suddenly Havana's the video. Of well, the you also know. With its wonderful comedy. You could also tell, since I worked at MTV, when they stopped showing the audience later in the show, is because all the celebrities leave. Totally. Uh, <laughs> at the end, during the Post Malone and what became an Aerosmith concert in 2018, they showed no shots of celebrities in the audience. People were gone. Ariana Grande was like already doing a concert uh, <laughs> right. in the East Village for her album Sweetener <laughs> while play- the show was still going on. They just played like the same gift of Shawn Mendes 30 times like kind of smiling <laughs> but he had left hours ago I don't know why anyone thought Beyonce was she the, was the last time she was there when she was like I'm pregnant yeah. or when, when she won the Vanguard award but that was like mm, three four years ago I or don't something. even remember that yeah three years when she did the Lemonade performance oh god uh, anyway the VMAs were boring um, I, I will say I, it was okay it the, wasn't a disaster or anything and routinely they are so that's yeah. true the only thing Panic I, at the Disco was good yes. J-Lo oh my was God. good J-Lo you know who was also great was A-Rod because I yeah. this couple he was I, in the front smiling I at love everything. them so much they make more sense than any couple in the history of human beings I'm like of course these two people should be together it took them too long to get together I love them so much they're just such un- like you know they just look at the mirror together for hours on oh, yeah. end and I love Love it, and he was like standing her. He's filming her performance. I was like, "Sir, they'll air this later. Right. MTV will send you. <laughs> MTV will send you a clip." But he's filming on his phone, and I love it, and I love them. He was giving that you're doing great, sweetie he face. Fully, yeah. fully. Yes. You know, Ariana Grande. You will have that in oh, Lord. a few decades after. She and Pete. Do we think they're gonna get? I. They look like the Joker and Harley Quinn. Excuse me. You know who Pete Davidson looks like with that blonde hair? A Kate McKinnon character. It looked like a joke. I will say I have never been an Ariana Grande fan, and I like her new album. Sweetener is great. Sweetener is really good. That breathing song is so good. So, yeah. but the R&B problem, vibes, right. maybe Brandy Tees. But the problem is, I'm starting it. to like her. At the same time as the Pete Davidson thing is happening, I'm like, ooh, I don't want both of those. I don't want both of those. I just want the music. But now I necessarily have to pay attention to Pete Davidson too. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's disappointing. <laughs> VMAs. She's funnier than he is, I'll say it. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. When we're back, Asia Argento is involved in a new scandal. Keep It is brought to you by Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. If you're really good at it, that is. I've actually met several really good friends through Hinge. I've used it I can't believe this, over a decade now. Woof, what a life I've had. Well, you know what they've added within a decade of us being on Hinge is their new LGBTQIA plus prompts, which are designed to help queer daters better connect based on similarities, interests, and compatibility. Hinge prompts helps you show off your full personality and connect with someone who appreciates you. Plus, these prompts were created in collaboration with GLAAD, so they are by the people, for the people. Some of the prompts are... The first time I knew I was gay was, mm, I was literally in the act of being gay, like hooking up with somebody when I admitted it. (laughs) Denial is strong and hard in the Catholic Midwest. Mine was Tom Cruise's Vanity Fair cover. The shirtless one. You just turned to an imaginary camera and said, I'm gay. 
Yeah. Or broke the fourth wall. <laughs> You're like Fleabag. Other prompts include, I feel proudest of who I am when. It feels affirming when others, blank. I connect to my community by... I wish I could tell the younger version of myself. I'm going to say whenever I watch that in a drag race semifinal, when they're like, if I could talk to my younger self, I would say, I would be like, girl, get tighter clothes. I mean, what's going on with what you're wearing? You look like you're in the X Games. Other prompts include my chosen family is the best at and gender euphoria looks like. Download Hinge and show off your full self using their LGBTQIA plus prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Keep It is brought to you by Wondery's podcast. The Big Flop. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. I was there. I remember. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children, like Dance Moms, the infamous Lifetime Network show where the studio owners screamed at children and their moms over several seasons. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Mm, they recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Well, we know that someone created the beast known as Jojo Siwa. <laughs> you think we see the, the, the lab workings that created Jojo Siwa? <laughs> yeah. One pigtail, two pigtails. Uh, and Chemical X. <laughs> <laughs> Abby's biggest misstep actually wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Well, follow The Big Flop wherever you get your podcasts. Actress Asia Argento was one of the prominent faces of the Me Too movement in Hollywood when women started rising against Harvey Weinstein and other men who've been abusing power in the industry. On behalf of sexual assault survivors, she promised that more pigs will be revealed. But this week, a report in the New York Times revealed that she herself has been accused of being an abuser. It was reported that she paid $380,000 in hush money to Jimmy Bennett, an actor, for allegedly assaulting him in a California hotel when he was 17 and she was 37. Today, right now, mm -hmm. before we record it, Asia released a statement saying that she was a friend to Jimmy but she did not pay him off. Her deceased boyfriend, Anthony Bourdain, paid him off so that Jimmy would stop harassing her with false claims. And they were formerly co-stars in a movie together. Yes. That anyone would like say this discredits whatever has happened in the Me Too movement, particularly in the uh, allegations against Weinstein, which, by the way, we're still not done uncovering the like Enron level of like people who've covered up for him or whatever. So like, let's not even connect these two things. It's just a fucking gross situation. Two gross things can be true at once, and yeah. we'll see what happens. The thing is, like, and I feel like we've talked about this specifically when we were talking about Aziz, where people are not able to have discussions in general, and particularly these types of discussions with any nuance. Mm -hmm. And recognizing nuance? Exactly. And recognizing that two things can be true at once, that someone can be both an abuser and someone who has been abused. Um, someone can be abused and a victim. Um, and this is one of those situations where obviously, also, the fuck the LA Times for that bullshit fucking opinion piece of, does this undermine the Me Too movement? No, no. And if you're asking a question, it's probably, no, it, it was doesn't. extra dumb because the piece 
said, said no, no, but they tweeted it out with that salacious exactly. question so exactly. that they could get clicks. Exactly. And it, it doesn't. And even putting that out there, you already know that people who hate women are going to jump on this like they usually do anytime any woman who is accusing a man of something is not a virgin who, you know, is in a skirt down to her knees. They're going to find something to use to discredit her. And nothing about this is helpful. You cannot, you have to have these conversations with some nuance. We can talk about Asia or Argento. We can talk about the fact that two things can be true at once. But um, it's just, you know that we're not equipped to have these conversations. Right. The headline, I mean, this is an overused word, is fucking toxic. I mean, it really speaks to the idea that, like, you know, there's we have this secret feeling about the women who've accused Weinstein that they're enjoying bringing him down too much. It's like this is just a trauma laden situation. No one wants to be a part of this. No one wants this to define their lives. And yet, you know, they have no choice but to come out against somebody as horrible as this. So to pretend like at any moment it could all snap if the wrong, if the wrong woman says the wrong thing at the wrong time, it's just completely gross and, and lacking. Nuance. And what's the alternative? Like, should she have said nothing? That's what yes, I don't right. understand what these people are saying. So because she has maybe abused someone also, does that mean that what happened to her didn't happen? Should she have said nothing? Does one-to-one cancel it out? What are the fucking rules here for this bullshit? It also ignores the fact that abuse is often a cycle. Yes. You know? Um, Chris Brown, for instance, you know, he talked about the fact that he was abused as a child um, by an older woman, and we know what he ended up doing later in his life. Even that um, nigga R. Kelly, you know, (laughs) talked about being abused by someone when he was younger. You know, these things happen. People abuse people, and those people abuse other people. Sexual violence is a cycle, and we don't talk about that enough because we're can't even talk about the first part of the cycle. Right. You know, we can't talk about how it leads to something else. People don't even believe the first thing happened. Yeah. Uh, and it's especially hard with the Asia Argento situation because not just people thinking, oh, her accusations will discredit her. There's the flip side where, you know, she may have abused this young man and we don't even talk about, you know, male abuse victims. We saw how people have treated Terry, Terry Crews Cruz. like dust. Yeah. Um, so it's hard, you know? Like, I feel bad for this Jimmy actor. Yeah. And all, none of the headlines are about him. Right. They're about Harvey Weinstein, yeah. or they're about Asia, or they're about Anthony Bourdain, who is dead. Yeah. Can he rest? That's the other thing. I feel like people, you have, when you, the people involved in all of this, involved in Me Too, you, when you look at like the New York Times articles, they have to be so careful with the journalism that they're doing because they know that any one of these mistakes can undermine everything, not because it should undermine it based on like facts and truth, but because people who hate women and hate, you know, and don't want this to happen are going to use those things. And so you have to be so careful about what you're saying. And so to release like a statement and like a typed up Word document, I don't know, I, I just... I don't think that she shouldn't have said something. I'm sure she absolutely should have. You mean in response to the in allegations? response to the allegations, it it probably required some sort of response just due to you know the nature of the situation of who she is and and how we've seen her recently. But something about this too, I was like, this doesn't feel thought out in a way that is helpful. Mm-hmm. And like to throw Anthony Bourdain's name in there, I was like, I don't know that this matters. I I, I him encouraging you, fine. This is your partner, and it being his money. I guess that matters, but he's not- also dead and can't corroborate. Yeah, and he the can't story. corroborate it. And just even even if it's all true, 
it's not helpful. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, We're not at the end of this is the uh, true matter of the situation. Uh, what was great was that the originator of Me Too, Tarana Burke, tweeted some lovely comments that people should read about, you know, the fact that it will continue to be jarring when we hear the names of some of our faves connected to sexual violence unless we shift from really talking about individuals and begin talking about power. Because sexual violence is about power and privilege. And it doesn't really change if the perpetrator is your favorite actor or actress. You know, uh, we have to start fighting these false narratives. And you have to remember that the people who will try and discredit our Asia or any of that, they don't really care about justice. They just care right. about, you know, their opinion or they care about getting clicks. Yeah. People people who were deriding Me Too, who now all of a sudden it's like justice for Jemmy Bennett, like – Give me a break. Uh, right. You, d- you don't sound committed to the cause, shall right. we say. Right. Because you don't seem to care about men who are abused right. any other time. Right. People who are actually able to have these conversations can express sympathy and concern for both of those parties. And yeah. I, I think when you see that it's only coming from one direction, like now I just only care about Jemmy Bennett. I'm like, none of this. This is not real. You do not care. And, and they weren't watching No Ordinary Family on ABC like I did I the entire season. Is. I don't know. What Wait, that was is. he on that? Yeah. Oh, wow. You actually know things about this person. I didn't. I wasn't familiar he with his team actor on this like superhero. Show I mean, I didn't ABC. know who Asia Argento was. Before I all of this either. Wait, no ordinary family was Julie Benz on that. Yeah, and Michael oh Chiklis. I Who? love saying the words Who? Julie Benz. Michael Chiklis. Who? The Shield. And oh, got it. Yes, that's right. Got what, it. Was he on Lost too? No, not Lost. Some other show. I haven't watched either of these shows. It's not damages, sweetie. I'm not caught up. Anyway, as Hollywood seeks to be more inclusive through like the movies we're making through. The Oscar categories we're coming up with. What needs to be done so we can make the Me Too movement also inclusive? Because right now, a lot of these problems seem like we have not expanded our scope. I think generally, the generalization that happens in all of these conversations is never, ever helpful. And it's and, and that's like what you saw with the Aziz thing where they're like, oh, well, so now that's rape? Nobody said that was fucking rape. Nobody said that was what Harvey Weinstein was doing. And no woman, no woman has ever said that, is never comparing those things, is ever comparing, you know, verbal sexual harassment to being sexually assaulted. No one is saying that. And we talk with a lot of generalizations in these situations a lot. And I think like you look at Asia Argento and it's like that is a conversation that needs to be spoken about just about her and about her in that specific situation and the things that impacted that and the results of those things. Like that is one story. And if we're going to talk about that story, we need to talk about that one story and not extrapolate to other things. And if we're going to talk about Harvey Weinstein, we're going to talk about that. If we're going to talk about whoever, we're just talking about them and talking about those stories and recognizing that they're part of a larger conversation and a larger situation that's happening, but you have to treat these things individually. What is the compulsion to compare, like, one story we hear to another? It's, it's like comparing, like, different films and an actor's filmography or something. It's like these things don't matter. I don't know why we do that. Why people, we need to, People yeah. do that all the time, I Lewis, guess, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what does Black Panther mean for Crazy Rich Asians? I don't know. <laughs> um, I love Crazy Rich Panthers. <laughs> Should Asia Argento still be a prominent face in the Me Too movement? Does she need to take a step back like, say, Rose McGowan did? Right. 
I don't know. I mean, it's such that's like also unfortunate that you have to have someone who's like the face of a movement is already just like, ugh, I don't like that. Honestly, Tarana Burke is the face of Me Too movement. So there's also that that we have, you know, right. white actresses are the ones who were the face of a, a movement, movement against that was started sexual... before them. Exactly. Started before them by a black woman is a whole other conversation. So I don't like the idea that anyone is the face of this one thing. And I think this is the exact problem you get when you make one person the face. And these people are not infallible. And, and this is the problem that you get. So I would like her, though, to take a minute. I would like a different statement. I would like some thought more thought going into whatever the next conversation we're and having And just is. as we wanted an investigation and to get to the truth with other cases, same should go for this, right. you know, because this is just her statement. So Which is let's hard take because, a minute yeah, and see what happens. It's hard, too, because there's not going to be a case again. You know, they, yeah. they settled this. Yeah, right, so right. that's another thing that's really difficult where you're not going to get an open investigation and you're not going to get anything like that. It's just like a we're just talking about this thing that's already happened and already been settled. So we only really have what these two people are saying. Um, and I think, you know, I would actually like to hear more from Jimmy Bennett in this situation. Like, let's give him a voice in this. When we're back, Boots Riley has gone to war with Spike Lee. We'll be joined by author Michael Arsenault to discuss Black Klansmen and Sorry to Bother You. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. <laughs> Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. 
Black perspectives have it always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black Experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So... Boots Riley, director of Sorry to Bother You, has recently written a manifesto <laughs> uh, critiquing Spike Lee for the issues he found with Black Klansmen, Spike's new film. It's hot off the heels of the report that Spike was paid 200 k by the NYPD to work on one of their ad campaigns. Boots himself, by the way, was also called out for responding to a bitch magazine critique of Tessa Thompson's character in his own film, Poorly. Uh, so I find it ironic that he is now critiquing another filmmaker so quickly, but I love it when Hollywood gets messy. Uh, we are joined by writer Michael Arsenault, author of I Can't Date Jesus. Hi, Michael. Hey, thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for being here with us. Michael, are you are you a Spike fan? Uh, yes, but, um, like, old, older Spike. Um, <laughs> the, the last Spike movie I saw was Chirac's for work, so that wasn't a great experience. Um, and I already apologized to black people, particularly the well-educated ones, because I have not seen either movie yet. <laughs> so I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, you have been on a book tour, so that is understandable. It's forgivable. You know, thank thank you for letting me back in so quickly. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I feel like first of all, boots. This shit was like three pages long, like word document. We have single Twitter space. for a reason. Let's yes. get, break it down. Um, I also felt like he made one his one of his biggest like bones with the movie was that it isn't a true story. I'm like motherfucker, it's a fucking movie. It's not a documentary. They said based on a true story. We know how this works, and that that was such a like point of contention for him. I found a little shallow, and then he also made a lot of statements about Ron Stallworth, the the cop who the film is based on. And I don't think that Ron Stahl, I mean, Ron Stahlworth was still a cop in the 70s. I'm sure he did some shit that politically we would not agree with now. But he was saying that, like, the cops at the time were involved. They had a hand in, like, church bombings of black churches. And he was like, this is what Ron Stallworth was doing at that time. And I was like, whoa. That is. I don't a, see a single receipt. I don't think a single oh. receipt. And then when he, when he posted his. <laughs> When he posted his, like, evidence, it was screenshots from, like, three articles without links to anything. I was like, can we get some MLA formatting in here? If you're going to be if you're going to be making statements like that, like, I'm going to need some real citations here. So I just thought that he I thought I was like, I don't know why we're having this conversation. And I think that if if this is what you want to talk about, it should have started with Spike getting two hundred thousand dollars in the NYPD and gone off of that. Like, starting with Ron Stallworth was not doing exactly what the movie showed him doing was like, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, Thank does you for does does uh, <laughs> yeah does your history you know of being a fan of Spike uh, Michael uh, does it change a bit knowing that he was paid by the NYPD you know to fix race relations with- <laughs> <laughs> well real quick i want to thank you um because i was when i read it i was like this gave me youtube conspiracy theory <laughs> and i didn't know what was actually happening and then i got to the two hundred thousand. i mean honestly to be a spike fan i think you already are critical he's bad on women that's not mm-hmm. new um there's chirac which again is like not it there are plenty of movies that are beyond so i think if you're a spike lee fan you can be critical of him and still be a fan i will say um i read his response about why he did it um in theory that makes sense this idea that you know someone has to engage with the police because of xyz if we're talking about improving community relations blah 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 however it's the nypd and your spike lee Mm -hmm. why would you (laughs) take their money yeah i don't like i don't understand that I think the whole thing, too, for me was just, like, too... And Spike wasn't even talking. He hasn't said a damn thing. It was just, like, men talking about men and, like, ugh, I don't... I don't care about this. This is... I think that Black Klansmen... I enjoyed the movie, but there there are certainly conversations to be had about that film, in particular the ending for me. Mostly how hot Adam Driver is. Yes. Also, by the way, I'm sorry, just not enough is being said that it's fucking Denzel Washington's son. Are we not right. caring about this but, dynasty oof. occurring? But I, I do yes. think that there were a lot of, there were some issues I had with the film that I would love to talk about. I don't want to talk about them in Boots Riley's weird, like, single-spaced conspiracy theory whatever the fuck. Like Veronica that's, that, Mars. Yeah, like, that's that's not how I want to talk about this. <laughs> the Alex Jones of filmmaking. Uh, <laughs> that's what it gave. It, it gave you InfoWars. It gave you uh, Michael, you went from being a, you know, critic to now you have a memoir. You know, you've created a piece of art yourself. Uh, Thank you. How do you feel about the role of, you know, critic versus artists and going back and forth, you know, because we're in the situation where Boots is a filmmaker now, you know, but now he's releasing his own critiques of films. My general rule of thumb is that you should probably know what you're talking about before you speak, and that could be for any profession. Um, I think because I function as a critic, I'm more aware of that. Like, you need receipts, you need documentation. Also, you could stand to be succinct because it's Twitter. We didn't need all of that. Like, I, like I thought the um, the Apple Notes thing was a lot, but now we've gone to, like, full-on Microsoft oh, Word. Yeah. Like it's, I think we need, to, we need to strap down a little bit. Um... I I really did find Boots is like the 200k critique was actually really valid and I would love to explore that and I thought Spike at least had a statement in some article I saw it was like a very short statement but um I could be wrong but I I thought that was really valid but when you wrap it up in all that bullshit I just like what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about and this like does not make me want to go see the movie like I've heard great things so I will still go see it but like I was like who is this crazy person ranting and raving and actually I did see the critique about Tessa Thompson's character so I I I too thought like well, that's interesting because men are usually terrible. Um, again, I have the gender equivalent of white guilt, so I usually <laughs> apologize about men. But I think it's really important. I, I, I don't think an artist... I like when artists speak out, but please know what you're talking about. Like, that was just very strange. And um, Jordan Searles wrote a piece for Bitch Magazine basically saying that Tessa Thompson's character in Sorry to Bother You 
was a black version of a man at Pixie Dream Girl. Boots basically camped out in her mentions on Twitter. He get another word doc. Responding to her. <laughs> a full live journal issuing, this time. Yes. Uh, oh, answering God. a Everyone's manifesto. Nicki Minaj. He did another. <laughs> he, he busted out word again. He did the same thing. I'm like, that's, you know, that's another thing where I think about, and I think when you talk about like a Nicki Minaj too, where I like to think, that if I had just had a really a critically acclaimed film out, I would be doing some shit other than writing Word documents on Twitter. And I know that having a voice and being able to speak is like something that's really cathartic and having an opportunity to get those opinions out when you, if you don't have like a podcast, or you're not writing articles. But I'm just like, I feel like if I'm Boots, I'm home writing another goddamn script. I'm not doing this shit all day. I will say there is something on a basic level refreshing about one artist just fully like, I don't want to say lashing out at somebody else, but being very openly critical because it does feel like I'm about to sound like a conservative. I feel bad about this. There's a lot of like um, among celebrities, like having to be super praising of everybody all the time. So the fact that whenever you get something critical, I'm like, oh, thank God. Somebody is also, you know, mad like I am or petty like I am, you know, so I'm excited on that level. But you're right. I mean, I mean, just have it make sense. Yeah. But then the headlines were like, you know. Boots Riley slams Spice Black Klansman. Right, right. And he was taking screenshots of the headlines being like, and, you know, here's the white media distorting, you know, like a brother just trying to give a critique. <laughs> oh, God. Is that what he did? <laughs> like, that's full of shit. Like, I mean, I actually agree with Lewis. In th- like, I agree with the, the overall sentiment, I think. But in that case, you're camping out in people's mentions and now you're writing, like, extensive essays repeatedly criticizing someone else so it's basically saying you're di- you can dish and you can't take it so like you mm-hmm. remind me of like some thought that like runs up in my mentions because of something i wrote about sierra like five years ago like, I don't need this. <laughs> like oh one thing i will say about being a critic is that i know that because i criticize other people whatever i put out into the world from this day forward it will be subject to criticism too you have to be able to take it um, have you been searching um hashtag i don't I do can't date Jesus? No, I, no 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 i don't do that we don't we, that is a way to drive yourself nuts. I don't believe in that. There are plenty of people who will give me reasons to be crazy. I don't need help. No, I'm good. <laughs> no, mentions are like, a, it's like heroin. Like you can go deep and deep and deep until you are completely lost in them and enveloped. So, But there's a special type of person that searches their name. With oh, all due yeah. respect, like it's like you can check a few things here and there. But if you actively search your name in social media and do like the clapback thing, which is very Cardi B, we love her, but it's not, a, that's not cute. Um, that speaks to like an insecurity. Mm-hmm. There's, there's an artist and being sensitive about your shit, but then there's being like a psycho who searches her name uh, <laughs> or his or her name. But I ended up having to curse out and block Erica Badu briefly because she searched her name and came for me. She blocked Whoa. me too, Michael. Well, I blocked her because I didn't want to oh, curse her out. <laughs> she blocked me. I don't remember why. Erica has said some like side. Do you remember she said something about like girls wearing short skirts? That's yeah. that's I, why she. And, that's why I blocked yeah, her. Yeah, <laughs> and she and I said something, and she found the tweet, and she blocked me. I that's remember, disappointing because yeah. she is also hilarious. A friend of ours, um, Cameron Johnson, saw Erica in the middle of that posted a. Uh, Facebook photo of herself wearing a short skirt at the time, <laughs> and he commented, uh, that skirt's above the knee, Erica, and she responded, Cam, I'm grown. Oh, Lord. Whoa. Oh, yes, that's, okay. that sounds, that's her response. That sounds <laughs> like her. Shifting gears a bit to talk about I Can't Date Jesus, you hit the New York Times bestseller list. Thank you for everyone who bought, because I, I know I nagged for like eight months, so thank you. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's fine. you are number one in 86 countries. You beat, you beat Queen. Clean, clean it up <laughs> in Serbia. If it wasn't for Stormy, I'd be like all the way on the list. 
How has it been, you know, the response to the book? You know, I particularly loved it just because it was nice reading a memoir from another black gay male, you know? Um, me and, you know, trying to do my own types of writing, I've always found, like, I'm trying to search other gay writings to read, and they're usually just writings by white gays, you know? <laughs> yes, uh, yes. And it really felt like you were filling a void. Um, yeah, I'm I'm grateful to other people like Darnell Moore, who has a book out, No Ashes in the Fire. Um, George Johnson sold a book, um, a YA memoir. So thankfully, I'm not, like, alone alone, but I mm -hmm. do think the book that I wrote is different. Um, and I basically wrote a book kind of how the way the gay white boys typically get chances to, but it was very hard. I think um, for me, I haven't necessarily taken everything in yet because mm -hmm. I just kind of go, go, go. But I will say I've been very um, warmed by the overwhelming response. It's been so nice to have other gay, queer black men reach out to me and say thank you. Because I really did write a book that I wish I had growing up, mm -hmm. um, as early Mariah Carey Bella as that sounds. That really was the intent. <laughs> You made it happen. Um, but it's also been nice that, you know, a lot of, you know, nice white folks have reached out to me. And I love that everyone starts off with, I'm not a black gay man, but, or like, I'm a 66-year-old white man that from like Louisville, my, Kentucky, but. That is my favorite response that people give us online. Like, whenever like Karen and I will talk about mm -hmm. something, I love when someone will tweet like, now, I am not black, but, mm -hmm. you know, I want to let you know. It's I mean, really I, I worked so at Jezebel. Sweet. You know how many times people were like, I mean, I am a man, but I do like Jezebel. You know? I'm like, yeah, because you can it, read. Impossible. I get why they, even though it's a, it can become, it's, I, don't, I don't take it as annoying, but I could see why it annoys people. But I think the reason why people say it, and that was actually related to why it took me so long to sell the book, was that it's this idea that because I am black and gay that I am niche. And you know what niche means. Um, mm -hmm. It means you scare white people away and no one will buy your book. Because they thought that if I wrote my country black-ass book that people wouldn't fuck with it. Mm -hmm. And I never questioned myself in that thing. I think one thing about being a freelancer, I mean, you're a bill collector. You wish you had escorted. You wish you had dropped that mixtape. You have those frustrations. <laughs> but I think for me, I had already been writing for men's sites and women's sites and queer mm -hmm. sites and black sites and white sites. Like I, I already knew my voice could work in any medium. Mm -hmm. It was hard to convince publishing people to trust me because I have been flat out told um, by someone black, actually, <laughs> The sentiment was black people are too homophobic and white people don't care about black people enough. And I kind of, I, well, I didn't kind of, I rejected both notions. So it's been nice to see that the book has, you know, gotten the coverage that it has and that mm -hmm. people are finding it and that it's it's doing well. And I'm, I know you're not supposed to care about the list, blah, 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 but fuck that. Like, I am really <laughs> glad I made the list. For one, it was validating for me. It's been a lifelong dream. And two, now I know that when other people are use, like sending out their book proposals, trying to get agents or trying to get the book sold, they can list me as a comparative work. Mm -hmm. When I first started this journey years ago, I was listing black authors, including Ta-Nehisi's first book, which I love, and I was told, take that shit off. Take all the black shops, stick white people in, because y'all not selling right now. Because you know, for a long time, black people were not getting book deals. Mm -hmm. Unless you were like Kevin Hart. So I, I'm very proud of that. Like I'm really grateful. He has 15, you know? It, yeah, but... It's an extended universe. <laughs> I love hearing things like, you know, this blank, blank book won't sell for this reason. I have like eight books alone on the history of game shows. Don't tell me that like there's no space in the universe for a, a I, book, you know. I agree. That's funny. What's interesting, too, is how you mentioned, you know, how you were able to sort of operate in the space that white gays get to. Uh, what really struck me about your book is because I read Darnell's book, which I thought was great and powerful. Um, but I, what I loved about your book, you know, it's 
the writing that you and I have gotten to do on the internet. You know, it's infused right. with pop culture. It's funny. You have funny anecdotes like about your dating life, and it's like we've seen so many. Um, gay men have books like those, you know, but we haven't seen them from black. Black. Now I know because I think typically when you consume otherness, particularly if you are black, you are largely consumed through that pathology. Mm -hmm. Um, Very much so. If I wanted to sell the books faster, I could have been like, "Poe black me. It's so awful. I used to see horse uh, niggas and horses riding, walking in Jordans, and then I was mad at my daddy being a drunking, and I was a sissy. Nobody loved me, and that would, like that would have gotten a, a, like a bigger advance and would have been out by, like already. I think people yeah. really wanted me to, to lean into the sadness, but that's not really me. Like if you know me, that's not what that's not the give is. Like some shit will be fucked up, but a joke will always come. It's not even like guarding. It's just I'm a clown. My family is hilarious people. I just wanted to write a book that sounded like me. I felt like, you know, I think the. The, the sadder stories and because you know, I don't pretend that my life was perfect you read the book you, you get that but I wanted to emanate light um I really really did and it's just interesting how hard it was to get people to trust that it's okay they do you run. Michael and I know we've <laughs> talked about that we've talked about what you just said before and like I I feel like recently you're looking at like a crazy rich agents or we were just talking about again I'm, I'm gonna keep talking about this movie to all the boys that I love before but it's nice to see and even Black Panther, it's nice to just see people of color doing fun shit, just like doing fun things and falling in love and not necessarily thinking about all of the heavy shit all the time. It was one of the reasons why I was like, I've stopped fucking with slave movies a while ago, because sometimes I just want to see I want to see black people having fun. And like, I feel like you've you've always you've always given me that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I look, You know, I just think it's. We're the only black people are usually like the only group that largely has to have our ongoing trauma of being in this country consistently sold to us as entertainment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. have to consistently consume that. And it's no, I, I yes, I have to I have to deal with white uh, supremacy as Negro. I have no choice. But I also wanted to write about the fact that, you know, I tried to be a hoe and fleas ended up in my apartment. and It was embarrassing. <laughs> and now I have scars. I really wanted to have a mix because <laughs> we're all complicated. Now it's, it's crazy how, again, how long it took for somebody to write that. So hopefully more people can write their hotels or whatever they want to write and not be as burdened with the shit I had to be burdened with. Well, in addition to telling your hotels, uh, you have also online and in your book been great at throwing some shade, Michael. So we're going to throw Uh-oh. one of our keep it pop quizzes to you and okay. see how much you know about Aretha Franklin. Uh-oh. The queen of shade. The dowager countess of Motown. <laughs> uh, since Aretha's death last week, we've seen countless pieces and dedications memorializing her enduring career, incredible voice, unparalleled stage presence, and genius musicianship. Uh, she's deserving of all that praise, of course, but her wit, short patience, and ability to deliver shade is nearly as iconic. Aretha did and said what she wanted because she could. And so, in a special Aretha Franklin edition of Keep It Pop Quiz, I'm going to ask you a few questions about Miss Franklin's most memorable shady moments. And you have to Hope. guess how she clapped back. Hopefully I do well because her ghost will haunt me if I fuck <laughs> Oh, yeah. It will linger. Shall I start? Yeah. Okay, question one. In 1993, New York Post gossip columnist Liz Smith, vehement Madonna defender Liz Smith, delivered a backhanded compliment to Queen Riri about a bustier gown she wore in a Fox TV special saying she, quote, 
Must know she's too bosomy to wear such clothing, but she just doesn't care what we think, and that attitude is what separates mere stars from true divas, end quote. What was Miss Franklin's response? Was it A, she grabbed her pocketbook and slapped Liz with it? B, she released a Pusha T-level diss track so shady it ended Liz's career? Or C, she wrote this weave-snatching letter to Liz... How dare you be so presumptuous as to presume you know my attitudes with respect to anything other than music? Obviously, I have enough of what it takes to wear a bustier, and I haven't had any complaints. I'm sure if you could, you would. When you get to be a noted and respected fashion editor, please let us know. P.S. You are hardly in any position to determine what separates stars from divas, since you are neither one nor an authority on either. What do you think, Michael? Oof. That was C, because Mama used to send faxes, so like, yeah, <laughs> She sent you a stern letter. This room is fully on fire after that note. That is a classic black woman, yes. (laughs) So we have question number two. During an interview with the Wall Street Journal, the Queen of Soul was asked quick-fire questions regarding her immediate thoughts on today's popular artists. She called Adele a good singer, Alicia Keys a young performer and good writer, and Whitney Houston a talent with a gift. How did she describe young Taylor Swift's musical talent? A. Gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> I'm sorry. We don't even, we don't even need, need We don't even need it. We don't even need it. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Underrated shade from Aretha Franklin. She did an interview once with Wendy Williams where she was asked who would play her in a biopic. And she went through a couple of options. She's like, maybe Holly Berry went through a couple. And then Wendy goes, what about Queen Latifah? I'm telling you, this is her reaction. No. <laughs> That's not even shade. <laughs> Just absolutely not. The most be- the beautiful thing about her Taylor Swift comment too is that when you watch it, it's not like now like you know Nikki comes up with a response that's like shady. You know right. she'll like wiggle her hips, like right. smile at you to let you know she's giving right. a comment. Aretha like she doesn't. She read break. it straight. She she read it <laughs> yeah. straight. Doesn't break the manner in which she was speaking. She's like. Uh, okay, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> the way she says okay, I often talk about how uh, Meryl in The Devil Wears Prada when she says, why is no one ready? It's like inimitable. It's like it's the perfect delivery. The way Aretha says okay, I mean like it's it, it's truly like the interviewer farted at her. Like like okay, like, just like offended that the name came up, etc. And people like, and people also forget the fact that when the reporter said switching genres, uh, Nicki Minaj, Aretha says, uh, I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> Aretha was rude as hell. Like, I, I believe it's still on YouTube, but when she used to perform back in the day, she would mimic her contemporaries. So she would do Diana Ross's voice. She would do Gladys Knight. <laughs> she did all of the voices, like, and she was perfect in the, uh, uh, mimicking them. I was like, this is shady as fuck. She's basically saying, I've seen circle rounds all these people. They're not really doing shit. I was like, Mama, it's it's on YouTube. You can find it. Trust me. <laughs> Final question, because you're doing so well so far. The 1998 VH1 primetime special Divas featured multiple generations of iconic vocalists singing their hits as well as each other's on the same stage. In the grand finale, Mariah Carey, Carol King, Celine Dion, Gloria Estefan, Shania Twain, and Aretha took the stage together. When they were supposed to sing each section of You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman on stage, what did Aretha do? A, she let the other s- singers take the verses, leaving the denouement to herself. B, she was moved to tears as the other singers paid homage to one of her greatest hits. C, she sang every refrain, verse, riff, and high note her damn self because she's Aretha Franklin. 
Didn't she sing everything herself and then Celine squeezed herself in at some point? <laughs> yes, you got it. Congratulations to me for being gay, yes. Yeah. Celine tried to hit some high notes and wrist towards the end, and Aretha but was th- like, nah, nah. But that's also why Celine Dion is maybe my favorite white woman, because she is a nut and is not paying attention to shit, and that her She's bony not. ass squeezed in there trying to steal that shit from Aretha. I'm like, oh, you're crazy. And she was trying to do, like, air traffic control choreography to get I love, in there. I, I, love I, think, I think Aretha respected it, to be honest. I know. She, that's, that is the thing, though, because bitches respect Celine Dion. Yeah. You don't, I don't hear people talking about her sideways. The fact that Mariah came in third is just a crazy historical event. I think Gloria Stefan was decapitated. <laughs> oh, Gloria Did Stephane we ever see her there. again? I yes. forgot about that. Yeah. Carol King was just happy to be there. Right. No, <laughs> Carol King like fell through a hole in the floor. A statue fell on Shania. Psychological warfare. Truly the most watchable clip maybe in VH1 history. Do you know who okay, forgot about the impact there. of Aretha Madonna at the right. VMAs? Can we just uh. quickly, I, I don't want another melanin deficient person up on that stage speaking about this woman. That shit was, cr- and that you would even ask Madonna, what do they have to do with you? You know what I Googled? Aretha Franklin and Madonna. There's not a picture of those two bitches together. Couldn't find a pic. The closest was a pregnant Alicia Keys and someone had labeled that as the two of them. I, like I said on Twitter, I appreciate as a Leo how inspiring it was. She took the prompt say a personal story and connect it to Aretha Franklin. And her story was basically like how she made it in the industry. And, oh, at an audition once, I sang, uh, you make right. me feel like a natural yeah, woman. And these really white singers, <laughs> right. She was like, these white producers didn't think I could do it, but I hit every note. Girl, please. <laughs> yeah, I can't picture it, frankly. I you say can't that even hit the notes and cherish. No, okay, don't say that. Currently. We'll, we'll start, fo- oh, that's, that might be true. She also that's ruined, the, she ruined one, she ruined the Prince thing. She Must ruined, she continue doing she this? Ruined and Michael's Michael's she ruined Michael's in 2009. She ruined Michael's too. Stop letting her speak for dead black legends. Like, let's stop. It's very interesting Who's because. next? Also, it's like, if it were half as long, it might have even been bearable, but it was so long, and she kept bringing up, like, all these things about her life story that are like are they even confirmed like did you have $35 in your pocket when you ne- went to New York this sounds like a Disney Channel original I, movie I just need that to make sense like to me they're not contemporaries they're yeah. not in any way like re- approaching equals they do- They were not doing the same thing at all like if you had brought out like Jasmine Sullivan I've been like this right. makes way more sense that she would have something to say about Aretha Franklin I was like the fuck does Madonna have to do with any of this here's my theory Madonna is killing these people so that she can get <laughs> on stage and give their tributes did Watch out, Patty. Sense? Did y'all get the sense watching this that, like, uh, Madonna turned 60. This was supposed to be her week. Aretha died on her birthday, stealing her light. Mm. And they couldn't find anyone else to do an appropriate Aretha tribute. So that Madonna was like, wait, I don't get to do my birthday thing anymore? No, we, we cramming these bitches together. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time believing, like, Madonna sang Aretha Franklin, and that's how we have Madonna. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You could have even said we both worked with Babyface and he both gave us amazing songs in the 90s. <laughs> right. And left it at that. Wow. Beautiful work. I didn't even put that together. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. The book is I Can't Date Jesus. Go buy it. It's great. Yes, buy it. We'll be back with Keep It.
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. And we're back with our, I shout it. <laughs> I am shouting Carnival today. Barker, Ira Madison. <laughs> Step right up to keep it. Our favorite segment of the week. Lewis, what are you keeping today? Oof, I'm between two and I'm deciding to choose the Eagles' greatest hits again, taking the uh, rain as the highest selling album ever. Let's just be clear. MAGA! For, <laughs> right. For years and years, these two albums have been have been battling. Here's the thing. Well, you didn't say the other album. Oh, sorry. Thriller is a popular album and should, I'll say, be the most popular album of all time. Here's the thing about the Eagles' greatest hits. This one doesn't even have all their good songs on it. Why the fuck do people keep buying this? Do we love Witchy Woman that much? I would say no. Meanwhile, Thriller has seven number one hits or something. Not number one hits. Seven big hits. It's the best album ever. And I just... I'm, here's the thing. Thriller has also had several resurgences in p- recent years. The, the song PYT alone has become, I think, a renewed hit in the past 10 years. So I don't really know who is still propelling the Eagles. I do. I do. Besides white people? Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying when when I saw this news that this Eagles greatest hits album is outsold Thriller. It reminds me how many white people there are in the world because I forget in my day-to-day life. And then I read that. I'm like, oh yeah, there's so many of them. That's right. And they're buying this album every day, apparently. They're like snowflakes. All yeah. Individual. It's, yes. It's like a reminder of like, oh yeah, there are so many white people in the world and they love the Eagles. And let me just say the coolest thing about the Eagles is that they started as Linda Ronstadt's backup band and there will be no shade in this room towards Miss Linda Ronstadt. Who especially is, her. Who is, you know I don't know who that is. Oh, you I would n- never drag Linda Ronstadt. You know, I don't know who that you is. definitely know the song. Uh, you're no good. You're no good. You're no good. Oh yeah. You're no good. Well, Baby, not not over no these two. Good. Yeah. Okay. You you know I'm a trained coloratura, yeah. right? <laughs> it's been years since I've performed at the Met. Anyway, the Eagles stay in second place. Go down to third by the wall by Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> just seems too high. Why are they number one? It's are, really... they, are they third? And it's not even a real, it's a greatest hits album. That's right. what I think is the shittiest part. It's not like a piece of art yeah. that someone sat down and created. It's like, a, it's a mixtape. Yes, exactly. They just, it's a random companion. I could have made it in my spare time. <laughs> my keep it this week um, is Chupita, who I hate generally. Terrible organization. Speaking of nuanced lovers. Yes, exactly. There was this viral video by this singer, rapper. I don't know. Where, I, I don't know what we're calling the kids these days because they kind of do both. Um, Doja Cat, who had her song called Moo. 
Bitch, I'm, I'm a, a cow. <laughs> Bitch, I'm a cow. <laughs> it was amazing. And PETA, just deciding to ruin everything good, released their own version of the song, which is like a cow, a person in a cow suit talking about how sad it is to be a fucking cow and they put me in a pen and they pierce my ear and then they eat me and whatever the fuck. Fuck you. You just have to ruin everything fun. When you're not comparing animals to black lives, you're just making fun things shitty. I hate you. I hate you so much. You make me want to eat meat every day, even though it is not good for me. But I will. You're what keeps me going. And J-Lo in the first. I'm like, it makes me want to buy a fur coat just because I hate these people so much. And I don't hate animals. I just hate these people who love animals. And um, and now, like, forever we're going to have the PETA version of Moo. I just want to say J-Lo with the VMAs, by the way, looked like a lava lamp full of champagne. She just, the glow from within. It never ends. Moving on. Right. I, I would have my keep it be Michael Avenatti being uh, at the VMAs. Why was he, but why I don't, was he doing that? I don't even was Stormy it. there? I don't even want to. I call him down low Omarosa. He's just like, he wants to play her game was, secretly. Was she there no, also? We didn't see Stormy on the red carpet. So this I don't, fool just showed I don't up even want to say that attractive man's name three times <laughs> because he's a monster. But so pretty. Anyway, my keep it is also Aretha related. Uh, it's to the National Review. What did they do? Uh, the National Review wrote. Exist. Uh, existed. Uh, they wrote an obit for Aretha. And this line was in it. <laughs> okay. I might not rate her as the single greatest female vocalist of the rock era. Kelly Clarkson and Linda Ronstadt come to mind <laughs> as more versatile out. across musical genres and more varied in their emotional resonances. But nobody, no matter their taste in singers, could reasonably come up with a top five that doesn't include both Aretha and one or more singers such as Clarkson, Whitney Houston, or Mariah Carey, who were profoundly influenced by Aretha. Now, we know how ridiculous this is. My keep it is for the people who cannot understand that this writer is trash Stoking comparing it, yeah. Kelly and Linda to Aretha because what I, what I will not stand for is Kelly Clarkson slander. No, do not drag her into this. Do not drag Kelly into this. It is not her fault. It is not her fault. She's not doing anything. She is just delivering great albums. And she is a beautiful singer. And one of our best, to and be honest. Way, she needs more respect. Kelly Clarkson would never be like, I'm able to cover more genres than Aretha Franklin. No one would say that. <laughs> I really resent the fact that they are pitting these two women against each other because we all know that niggas love Kelly Clarkson. We love Kelly Clarkson. Love Kelly Clarkson. Leave her alone. Leave her out of this. My December is ongoing. <laughs> Go by the meaning of life. Y'all ignored her last album. <laughs> oh, and her last full. album was so good. It is so good. The soul, the bops. Also, just recently, like, Kelly didn't even address this nonsense. And just mm -hmm. recently, she was tweeting, um, attacking someone for being homophobic against two of her fans. So... Kelly Kel is a beautiful individual. Kelly is maybe my second favorite white woman, After I would Celine. say. You After should Celine. rank them. I would like to see the official I list. should rank them. I know. Maybe I'll do that soon. If you guys would like to, my official ranking of my favorite white women. Robin Wright's in know. top 10. That oh, I know. she's absolutely in the top 10. Yeah. Anyway, I guess that's our episode. Before I go, my last keep it is this email I just got from MoviePass. This is... <laughs> Please read. Opt into your new plan now. No, I won't. <laughs> bankruptcy? Movie plan. Is that the new plan? Opt into bankruptcy. <laughs> Opt into our GoFundMe. <laughs> we'll see you next week.
Explore the world's hidden wonders on the Atlas Obscura podcast, a village in India where everyone's name is a song, a boiling river in the Amazon, a spacecraft cemetery in the middle of the ocean. Every day, the Atlas Obscura podcast will blow your mind in 15 minutes. You can find it on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.